You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 326. I am your host, Noel Tarr of coconutsandkettleballs.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. Today, Steph and I are doing part one of a special a special, a special Mythbusters series. <laughs> For some reason, I couldn't type Mythbusters without like putting it in all caps because this just seemed really exciting to me. Uh, we're going to be taking on popular fitness and wellness trends and products and letting you know if it's legit or not. So this is going to be uh, a two-part episode where you're trying to make this one episode. And last night, as Steph and I were chatting in the document and kind of going back and forth, I was like, no, this has got to be two document. This has got to be two episodes because there's just so much to discuss. And we're trying to cover everything from eating at night to the post-workout anabolic window to Noom to Plexus to celery juice. And it's just not going to happen in 45 minutes. So in two weeks from today, we'll have part two and we'll be covering some other wellness products and trends that you guys have reached out about. Uh, before we jump into today's episode, if you haven't tried Blue Blocks, Blue Light Blocking, or Sleep Plus Glasses yet, they are literally one of the best biohacking things I've ever done for my health. I just had another round of like these weird and annoying headaches associated with my screen time. It happens um, when I've been looking at screens a lot, but also just when I'm stressed. And wearing my Sleep Plus glasses was such a lifesaver. So I wore them around for days anytime I wasn't in full sun. So like when I'm downstairs and we had a ton of light, it's kind of hard to wear those because it's like everything's bright orange. But anytime I was looking at screens or upstairs and kind of like had the windows, uh, the shades drawn, I was wearing them and it took away, it, like anytime I was wearing them, I didn't have a headache. So I, I just, I don't know where I'd be without them at this point. Um, anytime you're looking at screens, whether it's on the computer or you're looking at your phone, you should be wearing blue light blocking glasses. I'm wearing the Galaxy right now uh, from Blue Blocks. The Blue Blocks computer glasses, they filter out harsh blue light we experience when we're looking at screens. So they're clear and they don't have a color. And then the Sleep Plus glasses block out all blue and green light between 400 nanometers and 550 nanometers which is the exact range that has been shown in clinical tri trials to disrupt melatonin and negatively impact our sleep. Um, and if you already have blue blockers and love them, try out their Lumi lights. So they actually have red bulbs, which we now have in our bedroom nightstand lamps and then also in my son's room. And then they have yellow summer glow bulbs, which I use at my desk. It's a nice little like warm summer day feel. And then they have uh, a really cool sleep mask that blocks out all the blue light. And so it's called the Remedy Light, um, which is the one that I have. So to get a 15% discount on all those glasses and the sleep mask and the lights, go to Blue Block. So that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash WellFed and then use code WellFed at checkout. Again, that's Blue Blocks. So B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash WellFed. And then our code is WellFed for 15% off and free shipping. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. 
So I didn't think I, I don't think in all of our discussion this morning and last night, which is actually rare for us. We don't, <laughs> we don't usually prep so much for podcasts, but I was like, you're going to need to do some research because there is a lot of stuff here that I have never heard of and I want you to prep. But we didn't, um, we didn't talk about this, but I am coming to you today from the epicenter of the cicada outbreak. <laughs> Well, that was not the end of the sentence I was expecting. I was on. The, was anybody else in the audience on the edge of your seat? What is Noel going to say, guys? Okay. This it may not seem like a big thing. It is. I. I right now, if I were to open my window, it sounds like a train because they make this noise. So they like erupted last week, and when I say erupted, I'm not talking like, oh look, there's bugs. Bugs are crawling up my house. They are covered. They have covered my um mailbox post. We have a tree in our front yard and it is raining cicadas. And they're like an inch and a half long. They're huge. They have they come out of their whatever the ground every 17 years. And of course 2021 the year that the the world is opening back up we're like hiding in our house in our homes I, i've been walking to when i walk to the to the mailbox i freak out because they just fall from the tree because they're crawling up the tree and they're trying to molt and they just like fall down it's so gross i hate it it's the worst so this, this is dc have you read anything about this uh i know it's a thing I don't remember if they're here. Uh, I don't I think they are. Obviously, I'm not feeling. <laughs> I, I yes, I'm not feeling beset. So, cicadas 2021 map. I oh my gosh. Ew, okay. Ew. Ew. Now I'm just reading stories about it, and it's not cool. A fungus could turn some cicadas into sex crazed salt shakers of death. Oh I yes, I, very fascinating. <laughs> symbiotic anyway or uh, pathogenic relationships there speaking of geography mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the first time noelle and i are recording from the same time zone in a year and a half maybe. yeah that's yeah, pretty, pretty intense it was yeah i thought noelle that was very concerned about me being awake in time i'm like <laughs> i got this <laughs> You're a different person. I'm going to be honest. Like, you're just a different... You were like, okay, I'm going to bed. And I was like sitting there not going to bed. And I was like, I... Who are you? I'm so happy I know, for you. I know. Then I got in the car and went to the store because I... It's <laughs> confused. I just... I can't. I mean, when you pack up your whole life and ship it across across an ocean, I was just so ready to podcast today. And then I thought, mm-hmm. you know what? I better plug everything in and make sure it all works just to be sure before going to bed and then i thought oh no my cord is fuzzy it's making a if you ever listen to a podcast with a in the background yeah you know it's awful listeners do not love it well i was like can we do a sound check or and or i'm gonna just go buy a whole bunch of new cords so i went to like the only store that's open like in the middle of the night yeah. and they, they did have micro usb cords so all was all was fine but anyway yes i i i have been going to bed at uh earlier hours but also i haven't been on the eastern seaboard that long i does act in the eastern time zone i'm not on the seaboard i'm like 800 miles from the atlantic <laughs> ocean <laughs> like a thousand i don't know 
anyway. Yeah. Well, how was the flight back and everything? It's, it, can you tell your story to me? Because I just read it through text, but the reuniting uh, with your mom after a year and a half that. yeah um so traveling was pretty easy uh i left england before there was like a specific date where international travel was be- going to become a little bit easier i'm like all right i'm gonna leave before that <laughs> uh <laughs> just to make sure my traveling was easy and it was quite seamless uh, and a long layover and stuff, you know, there's not a lot of flights these days. So anyway, uh, I did eventually, uh, make it home and met, uh, my, my parents both came to the airport to pick me up and my mother came inside, uh, as <laughs> per my request, I'm like, I just want to hug. And as I was, I, the baggage claim was kind of empty, it was late at night, late-ish, and I came down and I saw my mom way on the far side of the hall and I called mom. <laughs> she doesn't hear me. So then I like call her name and she turns around and like security guards like look in and I walk quickly and I hug her and I just like cry buckets. <laughs> so, so good, you know, to, yeah. to see her and to be with family and then, you know, more reunion uh, joy uh, when I got out to see my uh, pop and yeah so it was it's uh it feels very weird to have had experienced change <laughs> for the first time in a long time yeah um, yeah it's, it's been a while change. uh it feels really surreal uh but also very very uh very very good so yeah 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 you said when you were messaging me you said that your mom was like hey so baggage claims over here and you're like <laughs> you just start crying yeah, i thought about that um well my bag was uh shipped on an earlier flight and also super heavy <laughs> so it, huh. i had to go like pick it up from a special office so she located the office for me of course uh and was telling me about it i just was just like it's <laughs> <laughs> great well i'm glad you're here and uh, thought it was funny because you were like people yo people here talk so much and i was like welcome we love our coffee we're, we're talkative um, i had a i had a layover in o'hare and i was just it i mean it's i used to come and go all the time but i haven't been here in in, in quite a while and so the the change was just really abrupt i was like americans are so loud <laughs> and and like in England, in Europe, I can I like I start conversations with people all the time, people who are like making coffee or or whatever, waiting in in a queue for something. Uh, but here, people also start conversations with me all the time, you know. And there was yeah. this one moment I like I there was a Starbucks in a main thoroughfare between a bunch of different terminals in O'Hare, and I sat there and just watched all these pe- all these people coming and going, and you know those uh, motorized carts. Where sometimes where yeah. that go through the airport, mm-hmm. and there were a couple of people driving one with the passengers. And one of them was standing up like in Titanic with her, <laughs> her arms like outspread, and she was like, "Ah!" And we like made eye contact and had this like really fantastic moment. And that's just like, you know, that's that's very America. And I, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's been a it's been a contrast, but I, you know, it's great. So good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad to hear. I mean, back safely. And I'm yes. I'm happy to hear about, you know, what's coming next for Stephanie Gruber. This is like, what, <laughs> phase eight? So. <laughs> you, yes. Uh, you know almost as much as I do about what might be next for me. So. <laughs> it's cool. We'll that's, see. That's special. Um, yeah. So also, 
I just have to mention your impeccable text art skills. Um, so when we use a Google Doc to prepare for a podcast episode, this is a little behind the scenes. I put all the questions in the Google Doc, and we've talked about this before, but I usually put them in and I put my notes in and then stuff's like, hey, I'm here like five minutes before, and she usually doesn't have to prep much for the podcast. So sometimes I like, <laughs> will pull, will like be like, hey, okay, st- this one you're going to have to prep for, um, which I did today. So, or yesterday, or two days ago, I think. So <laughs> I said, hey, we're doing a Mythbusters episode, so you got to jump in there. And somehow we were both in there document at the same time. And I was trying to like write, type some notes and thoughts in. And then you started, all of a sudden I see this little rabbit holding a sign that says pizza. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, where did this come from? And then there's a little rabbit with a magic wand that said, let there be cake. <laughs> I just said, now I want cake. So I was like trying to sit there and think, I'm like, what's she trying to tell me? And then I was like, what are you doing? So I just started, you know, we did, you did, then you did the little cake and then you're like, okay, I'll work now. And then, then we just, then we just started text starting each other back and forth. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Pizza. working in a Google Doc is wonderful, but also very dangerous. And you have to, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility because Noelle and I are looking at the same document right now. And when she's like mm-hmm. talking, I can, t- I can type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I could like really mess it all up. <laughs> so I try not to do it while we're recording, maybe once in a while, but uh, but this week we were both on the dock at the same time. So I was like, here's an opportunity where I can do what I always want to do while we're <laughs> recording, but don't, you know, but I, I, so I knew that people like created these really incredible images in word documents using characters like asterisks and stuff. Like I knew that, uh-huh. but I didn't, know what, I didn't know what they were called. And so I spent like five <laughs> minutes Googling, like make cute word doc characters with characters. I'm like, no, <laughs> make <laughs> Eventually, I found it. It's text art. <laughs> in case, in case y'all want to know, so I was copying and pasting. It was which has gotten really paste. elaborate. Like I was impressed with like yeah. the text, the words that you can create. So that's what I was. I was so confused. I'm like, is this something you have saved in a note? Are are you googling this? And you're like, the word is text art. If you're wondering, so then I googled it, and then I said, you love, you. <laughs> love you. Love anyway. you mean it. Anyway. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Lots of um, notes on all these myth-busting things that we're going to do, and then we'll just have to sort of sort... So, for some reason, we didn't want to delete the text art, so now it's just going to be said part you of... could delete it, but <laughs> I, I felt want... bad deleting it, yeah. so I left it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so our first topic is from Amy. She says, meal timing. Will I automatically gain 600 pounds if I eat before 10 or after 7? And if I don't eat carbs right after I lift, is lifting pointless? So, this again, this is a huge question. I'm like, oh, this will be quick. And then I was like, this is not quick. So, meal timing and then that, that post-workout anabolic window. So, let's talk meal timing yeah. first. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, could it be quick? Yes, because we could say... No, you will not gain 600 pounds if you eat, you know, before 10 or after 7. I'm uh, I'm actually ignorant as to the source of this conventional wisdom. I think a lot of it rides on anecdotal evidence. Yeah, just coming from three square meals a day sort of thing and... uh, 
know, norms against snacking or dessert or, or what have you. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, some people benefit from having like certain guidelines or rules and they're just like, I don't eat after a certain time. And that's fine. You know, if that helps them, if that makes them feel good about how they eat. Uh, but no, I think if there's like grains of truth to you know stopping eating after a certain time and whatever in the morning it would be that like regularly having a little bit of a fast can be good for you can be good for your appetite perhaps not always uh but it can be um it can be good for uh, your energy levels if uh, you're your meal timing plays a role in your circadian rhythms. And so there's a lot here. And there's a really big question about whether, yeah, there's this old saying, eat like a king in the morning, something in mm. the, I don't remember what the afternoon is, and then like a pauper in the evening. And so like, <laughs> yes. I, I don't, I don't remember what the mid level is. But, um, you know, there are these, these old ideas, very embedded in our culture about eating more earlier in the day, and then less in the evening. And some studies do show that that is helpful for entraining your circadian rhythms. Uh, of course, other studies have shown that eating more at night is like not so big a deal and can especially say, you know, and then it depends on where you allocate your macronutrients, because if you don't have carbs early in the day, but you only have them with your dinner, is that going to improve your metabolic markers and your insulin sensitivity? Uh, perhaps. Um, but I would say that generally speaking, in terms of circadian rhythms, eating a little bit more earlier in the day tends to, <laughs> you're all the like, mm, all the hedging in this sentence, uh, tends to uh, be a little bit more beneficial if it's your circadian rhythms uh, that you're looking at. But man, people are so people are so bio individual. And so at the end of the day, I would say eat what works for you. Uh, I've had times in my life where I was very much like three square meals, early lunch, small dinner, I did the thing. Uh, for many, many years, I ate like once when I woke up and once before I went to bed. And that was like what fit in my life. And it was fine. Right now I'm doing the thing. Uh, very health like you know all of the greens all of the uh, organic and the you know like all day i'm doing the stuff the breakfast the lunch the dinner and it's that's what i'm doing so i'm saying like it can fluctuate uh, the body's metabolic rate is about the same at night as it is during the day uh, it like waxes and wanes uh, throughout the 24-hour cycle and so uh, you are capable of digesting food. There's not a, there's not an issue uh, with like your body being able to metabolize overnight. I would really just say if there's anything to it, it's that like having a little bit of a fast for a lot of people uh, can help with metabolic markers and stuff. Um, so in conclusion, uh, I think it's it's like super beyond okay. And for a lot of people, like a ten to twelve our quote-unquote fast between seven and seven or eight and eight or what have you like can be good but also for a lot of people for some like that could be bad you know if you're working on uh, how you relate to food if you're working on having previously done a lot of undereating or restricting or what have you like you know if snacking can be in the evening throughout the night whatever like that can be very restorative so i you know just take care of yourself listen adjust that's the thing yeah um 
I did. I think there's a there, there must be a reel on this somewhere that I did. Uh, just kidding. I know there is. Um, so <laughs> well, that's so okay. The best reels. <laughs> I'm try- I don't know if they're the best, but I I try sometimes. Um, and one of the ones that I, I I don't know this this myth is just one of those things that is really popular in like bro science and also just it's a very diet culturey kind of recommendation. You know, you need to stop eating at six or you need to stop eating at seven. Like that's a you know a, a weight loss secret in quotations um, because the, I think the bro science here is that your metabolism slows down at night. And therefore, everything you eat before you go to bed causes your body to uniquely like store fat and gain weight. And it's just complete bull. It's there's nothing there. Absolutely nothing there. Um, and in fact, there's been a lot of research that shows that the sleeping metabolic rate, which is our metabolism when we're sleeping, uh, rises and falls pretty regularly and is very similar, if not equal, to our resting mod- metabolic rate during the day. And even when looking at insulin sensitivity and glucose tolerance, there is no difference between a midday versus an evening meal. So we don't see huge changes in insulin sensitivity and how your body is able to manage glucose and all of that. So I think, um, you know, one of the things, and I, when I posted the reel and was like, you, like, here's a meal before 7 p.m., here's a meal after 7 p.m., they're the same. Um, you, you get those comments that are like, well, people typically just eat junk food and things that are bad for them after seven. So it's really healthy just to tell people to stop eating at seven. And I'm like, okay, maybe. Uh, but the solution is not more food rules and restriction. The solution is not, well, stop eating after seven and then you won't eat those bad things because we know people are just going to buck those rules. They're going to eat the junk food at different times. And or if you're feeling like, oh, I, I, you know, binge on food or I overeat food at night, that's a mind mindfulness and mindset issue. And likely it's due to the fact that you're under eating during the day, right? And you're not supplying your body with sufficient calories. So you get hungry at night. And that's what a lot of people in the like, health and fitness world do. So to stop themselves from eating the calories that their body is requesting at night, they say, okay, I'm going to eat like a pauper or whatever um, during the day, eat small, you know, meals and starve myself. And then at n- I'm just not going to eat after seven um, because that's when I, you know, overeat or I eat the junk food. And there, th- there's different solutions. You don't need to create an arbitrary rule that really has no impact on your health, like eating a meal at seven, before seven versus after seven, no difference. Um, You don't need to create these rules to kind of get yourself not to eat, quote unquote, bad foods, right? That that takes repairing your relationship with food, eating enough and making sure that you are being mindful that your mindset is, you know, shifted uh, when it comes to how you think about food and how you interact with food and you know, not seeing foods as like good or bad or having this morality. Um, so different solution. That's that's my thing. It's, that's not the solution to create more rules and restrictions. And you probably are going to buck those rules and restrictions anyway and eat. You know, you won't eat for, at seven or eight or nine and then you'll just eat at 10 because you're starving, which is a very normal response. It's nothing to be ashamed of um, when you're under eating. So um, 
And yeah, I think this is within the context of bioindividuality. So what works for you may be different than what works for somebody else. So you may feel like eating late at night causes you a lot of digestive issues. And that's a very real thing. So then don't eat late at night, right? I think that's important. Maybe you have like, oh, I know I feel better if I don't eat after 8 p.m. And generally, that's how I feel. I don't feel good if I'm eating late. Um, do I, will I find it an issue if I do eat late? No, but typically we eat dinner. I'll have maybe if, you know, we have a dessert, we do that before the kids go down. And then I don't need, I don't, I just don't like eating after that because it doesn't like my digestion, uh, digestion. I've always kind of had some issues with, you know, I've grown up with IBS and stuff like that. And so I don't, but other people feel really good and fine. And it actually helps them sleep better if they have like a a snack right before bed. So if that improves your sleep and, and all of the things, then, um, you know, do it. So um, the other thing I'll mention too, is I was like, <sighs> the reason these episode, this episode, the, this two-part episode t- is going to take a lot of time <laughs> is because when you're researching something, like for me, it was, okay, I want to research what are the top Google resort- results and what what is the conventional ideas? Like, what are the people saying that are like the diet influencers? You know, what are, what are the claims that are being made? And you've got to read that. And then you have to read the other side of the story. And then you have to kind of fill it in with like, okay, but what's the research say? And so this is just takes like, can, one question can take over all of a sudden you're like, where am I? And it's two hours later and you're, re- you're like, you know, deep in a PubMed study about breakfast timing. But uh, the, the interesting thing about breakfast, um, there's actually a lot of conflicting evidence. So there's no, like, I think this is why it's just one of those things that's debated. And honestly, I just feel like, it's like, what are we really fighting about here? Um, so some research has found that eating breakfast, like a big breakfast, it, like your biggest meal, that improves insulin sensitivity. It lowers ghrelin. You're more uh, satiated. It's better for weight loss. Um, and then some of the research found absolutely no differences between like a big breakfast and a or, or and or like a big dinner. Sorry, either a big breakfast or a big dinner. And then some other research found significant benefit from eating more at night. So eating your bigger meal um, like in the evening. And one actually said more carbs at night improves inflammatory markers, improves insulin sensitivity. We've all we've all heard the carb nights. And I think you and I, Steph, we talked about that a little bit ago. Um, and so the simple answer is really just do what works for you. Like we're all unique. I think that for women in general, I'd rather you eat breakfast. Like I'd rather you have a sufficient breakfast and and um, I think that's important for circadian rhythm function. And, and we have to be mindful of the fact that a lot of research, especially when it comes to nutrition and nutrition for females who are active, there's literally nothing like there's so little evidence that looks on, at cycling women and how like nutrients impact females. And so I think we have to be careful not to quickly, you know, jump on the latest trend because some spot, you know, certain studies show things in rats and or with men or women who are, you know, not cycling um, because we're just more sensitive to these these changes. So do what works for you. I find eating breakfast for me is much better. 
Um, and I, but I don't eat super early. So I don't like getting up and eating right away. Some people might want to and they feel like they need to, but I, 9.30 or 10 o'clock is my, is my happy time unless I'm working out and I don't want to eat because it's going to make me, like I, again, digestive issues. Um, but that's what works for me. So figure out what works for you and what doesn't stress your body and what makes you feel good and what <laughs> helps you have energy and not feel fatigued and all the things. Um, okay. Do you have anything to say about the post-workout anabolic window? <laughs> no, I was like, I got this. Um, or you got anything <laughs> that I just said. No, that's, um, that's great. And I, uh, I like what you just said and forgive me, I'm sitting in a wicker chair. So if you hear <laughs> it, just, I'm, I try, I'm trying not to move, but it's, a, it's a wicker chair. Okay. Um, so, uh, I feel like, uh, what was the exact wording of the, um, anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it post-workout meal timing can making sure that you have carbohydrates and protein in your system be good if you're attempting to build muscle. Yes. Uh, I think, I yeah. think, <laughs> I think that's great. And it depends on what your goals are. Like if you're a very targeted, if you're very targeted at muscle development, have a plan. You can really dial that science in you know you can get extremely specific about what you're doing macronutrient ratios the timing of it the kinds of exercises you're doing uh that it's like a huge rabbit hole uh, you can go into in terms of reading and, and experimenting with, with your own experience uh, at the same time if you want to benefit from exercising uh but aren't particularly fussed about the specifics of your muscle development i i don't really think it's necessary i personally don't I personally don't time my workouts and my meals with any kind of intention and I am reasonably strong and quick. And so I will not tell you that you should just ignore all of that, <laughs> but I am anecdotally fine. Uh, and you can get health benefits from exercise, uh, without necessarily having to, um, without having to time your meals around it. Again, it's it's about the way you want your muscles to develop. And frankly, if you have protein before you work out, uh, it, or just, you know, if you have uh, the glucose in your system, uh, that'll, that'll, that'll probably do it for you. Um, but yeah, so it just depends on how like specific you want to be about your goals, I think. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think so. I think where some of the confusion has happened, and again, when we have like these bigger um, sort of like debated topics in nutrition science, it's usually because the research isn't clear or that we have we saw one thing and then that thing changed. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily like, I don't know. I, I, I think people are looking for like, what's the right answer? And sometimes there isn't a right answer. Sometimes the answer is different things work for different people. Sometimes the answer is, well, we don't know yet. And sometimes it's just like, well, it's something in between. <laughs> so um, it's hard not to have black and whites. It's hard. But 
that is that is the world of health. That is the world of health. So that's <laughs> that is yep. the milky waters that we are trying to wade through. Um, so post workout anabolic window. What happened? It's definitely not pointless, especially if you're sleeping well, you're eating enough calories and carbs and protein throughout the day, and you're eating nutrient dense foods. The anabolic window that many people talked about. This was more in the early two thousands, which is actually when I was getting into. So I graduated from college in the late 2000s and it this was very very popular thinking and I was doing a lot of research into this and it was you know the idea that the moment you put your dumbbell down or the moment you're done with your workout like you have 30 minutes to get in the nutrients or and once the window closed you weren't really able to make like specific gains. You could make gains, but they wouldn't be as great. Um, And so muscle hypertrophy occurs when there is a positive protein balance. So in other words, when you make sure that you have enough raw materials for protein synthesis to occur so that it doesn't lag behind protein breakdown. So with workouts, specifically higher intensity workouts, like intervals and like lifting, you know, workouts are stress. And I think we have to flip that script and really think, see workouts through that lens. Workouts are stress. They raise cortisol and they actually damage your body. So a lot of people are like, oh, workouts make you stronger. I'm like, actually, workouts make you like worse off. You know, they're like, you're, it's actually your muscles breaking down. You damage tissue at a micro level. So after your workout, your protein breakout, uh, breakdown increases dramatically and we want protein synthesis to stay sort of in like elevated so that we can continually supply the protein breakdown with proper protein to rebuild and so the relationship between those two things so the protein breakdown of the protein synthesis represents that metabolic basis for muscle growth so i think what happened in the early 2000s is that some of that a lot of the research was short term. So it was looking at like, what is a lot of it was like new, like people who weren't already fit. So there's a a, a kind of a discrepancy too in fitness literature, where we see a lot, we see people who are not fit, who don't have a fitness level, who have never worked out before. Certain things will impact them much differently than um, say a population who is already fit. Um, and then, of course, the whole men and women difference is huge as well. Uh, but what was happening in the early 2000s was that there was a lot of short-term literature that was looking at this, like, you know, how does protein synthesis impact people, like, within a three-month period? And then, so, then I guess it was, like, early 2010s, you know, maybe around 2014, 15, 16, like, when we started this podcast, things started to shift, and there was more long-term research around it. And people were actually seeing that, you know, you don't need to rush off and eat something right away. It's more about the raw materials that are available to you in that moment. So how did you eat the day before? Do you have sufficient nutrients and calories stored on your body that can support muscle protein synthesis? So I think, um, and then in the book, we wrote about two exclusions, and I still stand by this, which is if you're you're a high-level athlete and you're doing multiple workouts a day, like eat right after your workout. You have absolutely need to eat right after your workout to support your body and like work out again later in the day. And then um, for if you're training like first thing in the morning and you're fasted, you need to eat right after, especially if you're a woman. I 
my thoughts have sort of evolved. I mean, I do think that women in general need to be very careful with their workouts and their training, given our sensitivity to hormone fluctuations and cortisol and like adrenal dysfunction. And, and so I think eating within an hour is really a good idea. I don't, I would never recommend, especially after my interview with Dr. Stacey Sims, like, I think, you know, the CrossFit movement and the intermittent fasting and keto culture created this sort of just huge, huge problem for women who were lifting a lot, doing high intensity stuff where they would train fasted and then they wouldn't eat afterwards and they weren't eating enough. And it just created um, kind of, you know, there's there were so many women who were kind of coming out saying like, this sucks. And like, I lost my period and I'm just not like I... I could do this only for so long before I became super fatigued and run down and started having thyroid issues and all the things. And so I think eating within an hour is a really good idea. I think it needs to be higher in protein, specifically somewhere around like 30 grams of protein. And Dr. Sims talked about how women need um, like leucine, excuse me, leucine heavy protein post-workout and that women actually need more protein because we do not synthesize or metabolize branched chain amino acids as well as men because estrogen actually um, impacts that. And estrogen also in- decreases our muscle building capacity. Um, and then pro- progesterone increases our muscle breakdown. So it's sort of like a double whammy. So if you're trying to, you know, fast and like do an intense workout and you're not eating properly, like it's just going to be a cluster. So, um, the interview with Dr. Sims was episode number 317. Uh, she actually recommends post-workout nutrition, like, within 45 minutes um, to kind of stop that catabolic response and then replenish depleted glycogen. And she also talks about preventing the low energy availability state, which is something that a lot of women go through. Um, it's LEA. So when a person is under eating for their activity level and has small, sometimes unnoticed, but negative effects, when somebody is under eating for their activity level, um, that has small, sometimes unnoticed, but negative effects on energy performance and overall health. So, um, I mean, if you're doing intense stuff, endurance workouts, and you want to make gains and you want to like get better and improve performance and all that kind of stuff, I think it's really important. And I just think it's a great way for like women to meet their caloric and nutrient requirements, (laughs) like in, you know, um, I can say that I, I'm not working out to like make huge gains. <laughs> like I'm working out because I really enjoy it and I, I, it improves my mental health and I feel better. And I'm like, I know having a, like a level of fitness, improving your aerobic health, like all of those have tremendous benefits and I want to like enjoy those benefits but I'm not like, I want to run, like, I'm not trying to like do a time trial and like shave my whatever 20 mile time by, you know, five minutes or what, like, I'm not, I'm not in it to win it necessarily. And so I think that, um, you also have to take that into account. So now I do not, I still don't eat before my workouts because I work out first thing in the morning and it really disrupts my digestion, but I eat right afterwards and I force myself to eat right afterwards and it's fine. It's not like I'm like, Oh, I don't want to choke this down, but it's, like I give myself a few minutes, I come in, I drink my element and that kind of picks up my appetite. And then I'll just eat something pretty easy. Like a, like, you know, I have some sprouted gluten-free toast and I put some eggs on top of that. And then like, I start to feel hungry pretty quickly. So hopefully that answers the question. 
I think it does. See, that could see that was a whole episode right there. Okay. <laughs> could be. Okay, question number two is from Amy. Collagen shots. This was the first I'd heard of this. I'm sure you've heard of it. Have you heard of this before? Well, I mean, if it's if it's shots in terms of like something you drink a small quantity of that people sell for a lot of money, <laughs> yes, yeah, they and they have yeah. shots for everything. They have wheatgrass shots. They, you know what I mean? Shots. Sure, sure. So she said <laughs> pros and cons. I got a rash from them, but wondering if this is a normal side effect from this in quotations healthy product. Uh, my uh, first note is that this looks like really expensive water with collagen peptides mixed in. <laughs> Of course. I mean, it's, right. it's yeah, a wheatgrass shot is just like water with some wheatgrass in it or like kale uh-huh. juice, really, you know, that will have the primary ingredient will be apple juice. It, just look at the ingredient list. Sure. <laughs> right. Um, That's a good so, point. You know, I think people look at the marketing, but they don't actually look at the ingredients list. And when I'm looking so, at a product, I'm just flipping it over and saying, OK, what is it? You know, like, I cannot even the vast, vast majority of products that say for example this is just one example that say made with olive oil mm-hmm. <laughs> made with does not mean made exclusively with olive oil this happens a lot on things like hummus pick up a tub of hummus it says olive oil on it and you turn mm-hmm. around and look at the back and there there it is at the very sunflower oil is one of the first ingredients or something and then olive oil would be one of the last uh it's very important to look at the ingredient list and and just to see what's in there again mm-hmm. like you know if you buy this green smoothie whatever then uh yeah you just check and see where something is in the list if it's at the top <laughs> you know if you buy like a i was looking at a little thing of uh apple jacks it's been in the pantry for like ages and the f- first four ingredients are like different kinds of corn or different kinds mm-hmm. of syrup so anyway um, and this, yeah, I, I really like what you have to say about expensive water with collagen peptides mixed in. It would probably be more cost effective if you wanted to supplement with collagen by a, a brand that you really trust that makes grass-fed I mean, collagen peptides or what mm-hmm. have you uh, and pick your dosage and do it yourself. It would be more cost effective, right? Adding it to your teas or to your salad dressings or something, you know, put it in something uh, if, if you want to be supplementing with collagen, because supplementing with collagen can be great for you. Uh, and some people end up getting small doses or some amount of dose uh, from little shots like this. Uh, but yeah, it would probably be more cost effective to buy a big canister and then decide your dose and the source yourself, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like it, I just brought up the collagen elixir. It's water, apple juice concentrate. There, it's always apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, like a gum, a citric acid, natural flavor, sunflower lecithin, stevia leaf extract. And then so that's the ingredients. But then you have the supplement facts. So two, there's always like two things. And especially when we're looking at shakes or supplements or whatever, there's typically like other there's the supplement facts but then there's other ingredients the other ingredients is really what is making up most of this and then the supplements are things that they add to that water or to whatever so in this case it is a marine collagen blend so it's just collagen peptides but are sourced from fish i don't know anything about it does say wild caught cod so that's good that it's wild caught um and then it has a proprietary blend of goji extract, aloe vera juice powder, another berry extract, a chamomile extract. So 
those things then provide the elixir with the the ingredient like the nutrients so we have five grams of protein we have vitamin c has it's 50 milligrams of vitamin c it is three milligrams of zinc very like very little <laughs> sodium uh, biotin okay so that's it that's all it is I don't think that this was a magical elixir. And I actually just brought up vital proteins, collagen peptides. And if you just were to use two scoops of their collagen peptides, it's 18 grams of protein, Mm -hmm. 90 milligrams of vitamin C. And then Mm -hmm. you could technically, you know, and just are, are the berry extracts necessary this is a debate this is the thing that i think (laughs) so and and i mean i tried to even scratch the surface on this because we're going to get into plexus and juice plus in a little bit but essentially what a a lot of a lot of makers are doing are taking extracts from berries which berries are rich in antioxidants and things and flavonoids and these things that have very positive properties like good properties great they take them they extract them in like, you know, I don't know if it's a, I don't know anything about the extraction process, but they then put it into their supplement or their whatever collagen shot. And then the marketing goes nutso on it. So it's, you know, it can say anti-inflammatory, detoxes the body, fights, you know, would reduce colds or whatever without actually having testing on that specific product because we what of what we know about antioxidants and flavonoids and all that kind of stuff. But we know a lot of that stuff in whole foods. <laughs> you know, when you extract these things from whole foods, it changes. Now, that's not to say that there isn't literature there about supplementing with antioxidants. I absolutely do. I take vitamin C regularly and zinc. And when I'm sick, I will take glutathione and some other things. Um, I just think that you're, you're just paying for something that you really don't know is doing much when you're taking something like this. And you could essentially take a whole foods vitamin that's made from, you know, a lot of whole foods and get like way more of the extracts and the vitamins from it and nutrients um and i and then i got into a rabbit hole of collagen peptides versus gelatin oh so (laughs) that's a very big question yeah um so go ahead no you can go ahead you have something this is a level of nuance that I, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the arguments mm-hmm. are, are, are to level of, if, it will not make or break your health, I think, whether you choose one or the other. There mm-hmm. may be an ultimate answer, but okay, you go ahead. <laughs> no, that that's essentially it. So there yeah. is research about collagen, supplementing with collagen orally. So I think a lot of people think that just because something has a positive benefit, you can put it on your skin or take it and then you're like, you know, you know, oh, I'm getting the health benefit from it. But that it, we actually have to see that the health benefits are demonstrated when we have oral supplementation of something. So when we orally supplement with collagen peptides, there is a lot of research that it does improve bone density. It does actually improve muscle mass. It, it can improve skin texture and elasticity. It strengthens your nails. So 
And then there's like a growing body of evidence that's, that talks about um, osteoarthritic patients and like reversing the cartilage degradation, which is like really cool. Um, cartilage, uh, cartilage, co- collagen is the most abundant protein in our bodies. It's, it's a main constituent of like tissues and, and bone and cartilage, ligaments, tendons. And as we age, we produce less collagen. So I do think, you know, that's reason enough to take it. Uh, marine collagen is higher in glycine, which glycine has a whole other, you know, host of benefits, which is what that isogenic shot had. Um, the types are unprocessed raw co- collagen, which is very hard to digest. So then that collagen has to be broken down. That's where we get gelatin, which is denatured, partially hydrolyzed. And then collagen peptides or collagen hydrolysates are peptides that are more fully hydrolyzed. So it doesn't gel once it's cooled. So if you have gelatin, you mix it into hot water, cools down, it gels. That's how you make gummies. And then collagen peptides, you can stir into things cold and it doesn't gel. There doesn't actually seem to be a big difference in how gelatin versus collagen stimulates collagen synthesis once consumed. But I do think sourcing does matter. So wild caught, grass fed, there are collagen proteins that are pulled from uh, bone broth. So I think that that's pretty cool because it's less processed and look, you can look for some, some, uh, that's like not, hydrolyzed and that is like really great to add to smoothies and and drinks and stuff like that just make sure there's no like additives or fillers the reaction is interesting it can sometimes cause diarrhea but the rash is a sign that you're definitely having some sort of allergic reaction to something whether it's in the collagen shot or whether it's the collagen peptides exclusively um so i recommend experimenting with that like the the collagen peptides individually and it may be that you're you're allergic to something about the source, which is interesting. Um, that is all I have to say. Great. Just, okay. I yeah. Cannot wait. Go ahead. Ask me our next question. <laughs> question number three is from Kayla. Noom. <laughs> she says debunk this. Noom is not a diet. <laughs> I don't, when I start talking about Noom, I do not know how to stop. <laughs> I get Noom ads all yeah. the time. Me too. All the time. Um, Noom. Okay. Noom is uh, the closest thing to, uh, you know, uh, another similar thing is Weight Watchers. Um, yeah. I think I think Noom is, Noom is very targeted at weight loss. And I will say from what I've read about it, I've never... Uh, I've never like downloaded the app or done any of this stuff myself, but I've done a fair amount of reading about it. Uh, Noom seems to be like pretty decent on helping people understand psychological relationships with food and what motivates various kinds of eating behaviors. At the same time, it has a very specific methodology where they give you a certain amount of food to eat. You start with a 2000 calorie budget, I think, uh, and then it decreases over time. Very interesting. <laughs> and then, um, and then they don't they don't give you points. But there's like a green list, a yellow list, and a red list for foods. And this is the thing about Noom that kills me. Bread is on the green list, along with blueberries, carrots, peppers, spinach, Brussels sprouts, beets, berries, hmm. and then like oats and whole grain bread. Okay. Uh, egg whites, of course, non-fat dairy in the top. 
the green, the green list. Okay. The red list, the list that's like, don't eat red foods, olive oil. (laughs) I know. Like, excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. Like, yeah, you could sit down. I could sit down and I could eat a whole loaf of bread at once because I have a hard time not eating bread. (laughs) But am I going to sit with like a cup of olive oil and like, like, and guzzle it? Like people don't, do you know what I mean? Olive oil is on the red list. And so I do think, you know, and the idea behind the green, yellow, red system is green is like, these foods are low calorie and nutrient dense. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I still all of this time. And maybe it's just the paleo in me and it's always going to be in me. I still don't understand the claim that bread is a nutrient dense food. You know that um, that like image macro meme with the with the guy sitting with a cup of coffee and there's a table and a sign in front of him and it says like change my mind. Yes. And then yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bread is a nutrient poor food. Change my mind. You know? Like, yeah. Sorry. Okay. So the green foods are supposed to be nutrient dense and they've got like fruits and veggies in there. Great. And low calorie. And then in the middle is like nutrient. Okay. And calorie. Okay. You know, and then uh, the highest level is like calories are too high. Um, The reds. And so I guess they're saying like in all oils, calories are too high. So if you're trying to lose food, you want to, you know, eat foods that are less calorie dense. Like, okay. But I honestly, I feel, I mean, (laughs) We we may or may have not written the book on it, a book on it, <laughs> about mm. the importance of quality for your health and like weight management if that's something that matters to you. Um, I think I think focusing on foods that are nutrient rich and nourishing uh, of high quality foods, like I think that that's so important. So like, <laughs> Noom is a thousand percent a diet. They literally tell you. Uh, like they give you a traffic light system on how to eat fewer calories, including foods that are nutrient dense. That's I I don't know how much more I need to say that these are things I think about Noom. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It most definitely is a diet. That was why I was like, just do we, do we stop there? Um, like what you're seeing is pure marketing. That's how the industry works. You, you, you create a diet, you create a diet product. It's not about the diet or the product. It's about the marketing. And one of the things that I think is so concerning about this one is that they act like it isn't. You know, they use terms like anti-diet because they know that's a growing trend. And so, they're trying to like attract these people that's like it's a cognitive behavioral approach i know it's literally the stoplight diet that was once curbo and now it's the stoplight the weight watchers kids thing it's for adults now like that's all it is there's nothing uh, revolutionary the interesting yeah. thing and once i kept reading about people's experiences is you log the information into the app the app tells you how many calories to eat to eat which the app does not recommend a daily calorie allotment that is accurate and consistent with what the U.S. health guidelines are, specifically when it comes to active women. So they recommend a caloric intake for most women that is well below even what the U.S. health guidelines are. 
and there's no designation to say if you're breastfeeding or anything like that. Many of you, handfuls of you have reached out to me when I've posted things about the, tw- you know, my 1200 calorie meme or whatever. <sighs> and you guys are like, yeah, I tried to do Noom and, and it gave me a 1200 calorie a day allotment and I immediately got out and I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's what it is. It's a calorie deficit. You start logging in your foods and they start categorizing them as red, green, or um, yellow. And the funny thing is, I I pulled this as a quote, um, but it said, it says, don't worry, because it's like your foods will be categorized as red, green, or yellow. It's like, but don't worry, red doesn't mean bad. It just means you should limit oh, these yeah. foods. <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks. Great. <laughs> so the psychological principles of behavior change what that what that is do you want to know what that that marketing that you see you want to know what that is that is a they team they give everybody that signs up with noom is assigned a coach in quotations that you can that you can message and message messages you back about your food choices so most people say that they are so robotic they provide canned responses. If you're like, I can't do this anymore. They're like, how can you find more you time? Like very basic stuff. And then you're also sent, you know, nutrition articles to help give you insight. Like, yay, it's a diet. It's a diet. Question number four is from Allie. Please discuss Plexus, Melaleuca, Isogenics, and other health and wellness companies. Okay. Okay. <laughs> This is our last question, so just... Okay, okay. okay. Um, I am going to start. I <laughs> um, Tell me where you're starting. I'll bring it up. I have like 8 million tabs open. You know what I thought? I know it was really funny. So, um, well, another funny behind the scenes about the way uh, we do podcasting, at least this episode, is Noelle writes her notes in the doc, and I write my notes somewhere else. I try really hard not to look at Noelle's notes because it messes up. It messes me up all the time. <laughs> But <laughs> I debate. Sometimes I pull them out because I want to hear what you're going to say without you hearing what I'm going to say. I have this but problem where if I know what you're going to say, then I don't say it. And then I like leave all these gaps. Anyway, I'm working on it, listeners. Yeah. So anyway, but Noel, um, I looked and Noel and I both pulled out uh, like ingredient lists for Isogenics products, but like different products. <laughs> to oh, be, okay, like, good. What the heck this product? Um, okay. Okay, okay I'll do so um, I'm scrolling to Isogenics. Ugh. Isogenics is a whole thing. I do want to talk about Melaleuca really quickly. Yeah, um, that was I, confusing I, to me. That was confusing. Yeah, so Melaleuca is, like you said, marketing up the wazoo. Like, yeah. I really like, I really appreciate this question because it lumps together Melaleuca, Plexus, Isogenics, like these huge companies that create these brilliant brands that then sell you a bunch of stuff and they've sort of figured out to do it It, years ago companies would like sell a bunch of supplements and they would say gonna fix this gonna fix this weight loss that whatever and people would buy them and be like oh supplements but nowadays like the branding is so on point the psychology is super on point and they they have like by and large taken a lot of good decent like good science on board and the language about it right and so they do 
probiotics, right? And they mm-hmm. do pay attention to C-reactive protein and inflammatory markers. And so by and large, like, do I think the products that these companies sell are bad for people? No. Do I think the branding is really, really brilliant and, you know, sells promises as much as it sells actual supplements? Yes. Um, So I want to talk about Melaleuca. Um, That's M-E-L-A-L-E-U-C-A for anybody who wants to uh, drop this into search engine and follow along. Um, Melaleuca, proven by science. And science is in all caps. I feel like Mm -hmm. Melaleuca is like branding that appeals to people. Like there's there's different kind of branding that you can have online. And some of it is like super geared to people who are really like branding savvy and kind of ironic about it because they know that branding is a thing. And then there's like people who aren't like it's just you're not too savvy about it. You haven't spent a ton of time like growing up on the internet say for example and so you Mm -hmm. can say something like proven by science all caps or it's like red and underlined and that's like that's going to get a certain segment of the population like easy you know um and so anyway uh and then there's like an introductory video right and it starts with but if you pay attention to the media you've probably heard that right so um like as somebody who also, right, so Noelle and I also do branding, and we also create content, and we want to do it in an ethical way that communicates to you, like, benefits that you might get, and also is, like, honest, right? But so, like, I know that when you make a marketing video, it is particularly catchy to be like, well, if you pay attention to the media, you've heard this, but also here's this. And this is why this study is, you know, under talked about. And this is why that and uh, like, so Melaleuca sells supplements and Melaleuca supplements are entirely different because they're a different quality and a different quantity. And this quality and this quantity has never been studied before in XYZ. And then the interesting thing about Melaleuca is Melaleuca has uh, commissioned studies uh, they call a Freiburg study. It happened. The first one happened in Germany, but I think they did another one in the United States where they like had volunteers sign up and they took uh, certain of their supplements, which, again, like have stuff in them. That's it, it's all right. You know, like it's, mm-hmm, it's supplement. Mm-hmm. they take they take the supplements um, like before and after or like they take the supplements and then they measure certain metabolic mo- markers before and after and at one day and then six weeks and then 12 weeks and people experienced like improvement in their metabolic markers at least on these test days when they like do the supplements okay you know like okay i one thing you need to always pay attention to when you're reading studies is uh, who commissioned it and who did it (laughs) and i'm not I, i won't say that melaleuca was disingenuous at all right i haven't I don't know if they've published scientific papers about this, if they've been peer reviewed, right? It's like any industry can commission a study that proves that what they're doing is effective. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's what peer review exists for in the scientific community. And so um, if Melaleuca is commissioning its own study, yeah, like uh, I don't see why I won't listen to what they have to say about what people have experienced. At the same time, I'm going to want to understand that there's a there's a very clear motivational bias. Like I'm not saying like there's an obvious bias in in what they say, but like they're not going to publish results that contradict what they're selling, (laughs) right? Um, And so. 
anyway, you just want to pay attention to that. And that, I think the products they sell, what's in them, like is, is, is okay. Um, nothing, I, I don't, I haven't seen anything looking at Melaleuca, looking at Isogenics, looking at Plexus. I haven't seen anything that says that the ingredients are bad. But I will say this, and this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing that drives me crazy about these companies. It is very hard, maybe impossible in some cases, to find an ingredient list. Gosh, period. so hard. I couldn't find anything about Mel. Could you find anything on Melaleuca? Uh, so they'll, like, tell you that there are... Um, They'll tell you like groups of things or general things, right? Like, uh, yeah, I saw there's that. a there's grapeseed in this or there's this and that. Um, I'm looking at my notes. Um, <laughs> Oligo technology for greater mineral absorption. Um, yeah, so like they will, <laughs> and then they use like dramatic music and stuff. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like antioxidants and uh, that sort of thing. Okay, you know, we use high quality antioxidants. We use high quality omega three oils. We use this. We use that. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, do you want to like tell me a little bit more? Um, Like Isogenics actually like had a link on its website. It's so funny. There's even I, I clicked on like product information guides or something like that, and then it's blank. And I'm like, okay. And then I found another way. Like some of the products have ingredient lists, but others don't. And yeah, some will I say like that. four ingredient lists, click this link. And then I click this link and I'm like, where's the ingredient list? Yeah, it's not there. <laughs> yeah. Some of some of them, like, again, some of them do have it. Like we talked about the college. We talked about the collagen elixir a few questions ago. And that was an isogenics product. And um, Noel, I know you looked at the... Uh, isoline bar i looked at the isa flush okay so like um they'll say uh, and this is something that has been around for years and years and years and people are just getting better at selling it right like a uh, one meal replacement shake in the middle of the day with some oh, sure. tonics, yeah. and then like you can have dinner with your family like that's kind of the isogenics shtick and that's that's not a like hugely revolutionary shtick and i won't say I won't condemn you if you do it. it. Like, again, I don't think that the products that they sell, they don't seem to be bad. It's just like, it's a shtick. Um, the Isa Flush is, uh, <laughs> they do talk about cleanses, which I, uh, I I disagree fundamentally with the idea of a cleanse. <laughs> um, because your liver is the most important cleanse tool you have. Uh, and you a cleanse day is basically a fast day where you have like approved, it's like a list of like approved snacks. And they're all things that, you know, they sell. And most of them are just like a tonic water. And you take isoflush on a, on a day when you're, when you're doing a, a cleanse. And you could do like one or two a week, um, which has in it magnesium, bentonite, and peppermint leaf. Uh, magnesium, they don't tell you which kind of magnesium, which I think is very important because mm-hmm. different kinds of mag- – like they do have very different effects on the gut. And magnesium, if your like stools get looser, that doesn't mean that your like detox processes in your body are working any better. <laughs> no. Just, you're just, you're just right. pushing – pushing it out faster yeah and then um bentonite is really is a clay and i got stuck in a bentonite field in wyoming on a geology field trip once like it's a it's a clay and <laughs> that's a funny it, like yeah I, I did and we had to push the van out and we got in a bunch of trouble oh, so, um 
everything was fine. Everybody was fine. Everybody was healthy and safe. Um, yeah, bentonite like absorbs a bunch of water and can bind with cations, and it is potentially something that you can use to bind with trace minerals or well, it has trace minerals in it but you can use to bind to like heavier metals potentially you know but the number of studies that you know what i mean it's a mm-hmm. clay mm-hmm. you're drinking clay and you know and peppermint leaf i honestly don't know what peppermint leaf might do so like you know like oh so many supplements there are like ideas about how things might affect you maybe based on like a couple of studies and, and conventional wisdom or some wisdom tradition and wisdom traditions can you know from a a native or indigenous or some sort of religious like i mean things that are handed down through the ages uh, can be very you know there could be a lot to them uh but also it's it's different from scientific studies and so like that's all just uh, worth um bearing in mind so like well i think you'll have worse health if you drink the isoflush probably not um cleanse days could be good for some people maybe but i'm i I, i'm not it's just like fasting and drinking like noelle said earlier really expensive water and here with like some clay in it so like you know you're drinking really loose soil basically yeah yeah. i want to break down some of that the isogenic stuff with you it's interesting that you took it's it's interesting that you took that stance with melaleuca because my my thinking and why I was like, I have no idea what's going on here. It kind of just looks like a GNC or a Target. Mm-hmm. Like you walk in, there are a lot of products. <laughs> there's toilet bowl cleaner. There's like a whole cleaning yeah. system. Do there's supplements. I don't think so. But oh, that's all okay. like to me, it's just like going into a store and buying products. It, it's just like a product distributor and you can buy from them or you can buy from GNC. You know, you go into GNC, you're going to see a ton of supplements and make a ton of claims that have a ton of different ingredients. And I just kind of felt like it didn't really look holistic, sus- like made sustainable or like in, you know, tested, tried, safe ingredients. Like most companies like have a niche and they focus on that. And I get very like red flags, big red flags when you are making like toilet bowl cleaner and like cosmetic products. And like, I don't know. So it was just like all different brands. And it just was like, I don't really get what the difference is between this and like going into GNC or Target and shopping the products there. I mean, it's interesting that they commissioned their own science on it, but we'll leave it there. Uh, Nothing different than like any other product that you would find anywhere else. Isogenics. Can I just say (laughs) the cleanse day? It's not even like a fast day. I want to read you what they said. So Isogenics, for people who don't know, is like a, you know, you bring up the website, it's immediately feel better, eat better, move better, look better. So essentially, it is a supplement and a protein shake weight loss system company. I, Steph and I have experience with this. We've been, and maybe this is why we're just not, we don't, we don't get so invested in these kind of things or care much about them at all because I don't know about you, Steph, but I was doing my, I did my first shake diet, meal replacement shake diet when I was like 16 or 17, 17. And it was, what was it? Shackley. Um, and I was eating, you know, go lean protein cereals and then go lean bar for lunch. Like at, in high school, I was eating like meal replacement, like bars and systems to help you lose weight. And so we have, Steph and I have a, a lot of experience with these 
every few years or every decade, we have a new shiny company that's basically taking multivitamins, whey protein, and some maybe some adaptogens or things, you know, charcoal, bentonite clay, things that we all know and use and maybe have used personally, like when I get sick, I take charcoal or whatever. You know, we we use, we, we have some knowledge about these things, but then they put them together pretty poor quality in like, you know, sell, sell you a shake for like 90 bucks. And then you have to take all their products and spend money on all their things to like find the secret to weight loss. And it's just couldn't be anything further from what I... <laughs> Like, what I believe is healthy for the body, healthy for the mind, and just, like, a good use, a good steward, like, of your finances. Um, so the, the Isogenics, the first thing that I saw when I went to the website was, like, okay, what are the popular products? And the first was, like, the weight loss system. The second was the Isoline bar. So, again, the bar, just to read the, the ingredients, a protein blend, whey protein isolate, um, calcium casinate, which is interesting, whey protein crisps, cane sugar, chocolate coating, whole milk powder, so soy lecithin, natural flavors, peanut butter, peanut flour, sunflower oil, natural flavors. So no, I wouldn't recommend you eat that. Um, the weight loss system. Okay. So it has like the shakes and the supplements. And then you're talking about the cleanse day. Did you bring up that PDF? D and you read uh, through it? I, I don't have it open right now, but I've okay. seen it. Okay, let me read this. Cleanse okay, day. Some call it intermittent fasting. We call them cleanse days, the better way to fast. We combine fasting with targeted nutrient nutritional support from groundbreaking products. Congrats, you found the better way to burn fat and help your body naturally rid itself of toxins. Here's an example of a killer cleanse day. So you take your Ionic Supreme, you take your cleanse stuff, then you get to have a cleanse day approved snack. So you actually have credits. Does this sound anything familiar? Like, this is like Weight Watchers. You have credits for cleanse days, and you can stay on track with 10 cleanse credits per day. Three cleanse credits, credits harvest thins, whey thins, snack bites. Two cleanse credits is greens, collagen elixir, their collagen bone broth. They're like one, any of their, I don't know, they they have like these little chocolates that must have some, you know, I don't know, supplements in them. Um, one cleanse credit is their sparkling energy drink. So of course you have to buy a ton of stuff and then you get to like, they call it fasting, but you're still eating. <laughs> like, it's like, wait, I don't understand. Um, so you're like doing these cleanses and then you get to eat your, these snacks, which are not really nutrient dense, right? They're just, so anyway, I just found that so funny. And this is marketing. Again, this is marketing. This is what they're like, oh, this is the better way to fast. And it's not fasting at all. It is not fasting. <laughs> I know. But, you know, here's the thing. I'm okay. reading. Uh, here's the thing. Here's one of the things. I'm reading this. And I'm reading Melaleuca's stuff. I'm reading all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is marketing. And I understand that it's not fasting. And I understand that these products, like, you know. And I'm still like, maybe I should buy it just to see. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's how that's yeah. how effective it is. The way that you frame something, you know what I mean? Right, like that's, right. You know, it's tricky, and we'll get to that next week when we talk about celery juice. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Gosh. It's uh, yeah. This stuff is is really compelling. And again, at the same time, like I don't, I don't know. Some of the things are better or worse, but um, yeah. 
Very smart. Oh, help us. Okay, so Plexus. We've actually talked about Plexus before. Uh, I don't think it's actually anything... Like, uh, this is not a personal attack if you guys like Plexus or you use it or Juice Plus because we're going to talk about Juice Plus. But um, we have talked about this before on the podcast. The main product that they use is Plexus Slim Microbiome Activating. It's, again, it's weight management. It's weight supplements. It's, it's a, like Stephanie said, it's a part prebiotic, part multivitamin. Um, and then you spend, you have to spend a lot of money on it. So it's, it's XOS, which is a, this Plexus Slim is an XOS, which is a, uh, xyloligosaccharide. <laughs> so I had to think that one through. Um, it's a prebiotic, it's chromium, and then it's got a Plexus Slim blend, which has coffee bean extract, and then another fruit extract, and then a white mulberry fruit extract. So some fruit extracts, um, natural flavors, stevia, cellulose gum, silicon dioxide, and then it's a prebiotic powder. So the claim, again, this is what it is. This is the claim. Um, you know, healthy gut, happy you, promotes the growth of beneficial gut microbes, increases lactobacillus and bifidobacteria up to 290 and 365 times, supports healthy glucose metabolism, helps maintain healthy blood pressure, supports hydration. Okay, like we know, you drink water. It supports your hydration. Clinically demonstrated to help you lose weight. <laughs> star, 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 everything star, which is like none of this has been proven. This is just our opinion. Um, so cool. Like if you want to, I, no qualms from me. If you want to spend $90 on how, I don't even know how much is in here. 30 packets, um, of like a prebiotic with, with a multivitamin. Cool. But it's, again, it's not some secret that you're missing out on. It is just uh, some ingredients put together, which yes, have some like clinically beneficial things about them. Um, but just priced really high. And I, I don't, again, I don't want it to be like a personal attack or if you, if it's working for you and you love it, like keep doing it. it. It just, I don't want people to feel like they have to be doing this to be healthy. Yeah. Um, anything else about Plexus? No, no. <laughs> the last one, and, and people were talking about this in the Facebook group. So I wanted to bring this up. It's juice plus. Um, I actually kind of respect Juice Plus because their marketing is pretty straightforward. Like they're they don't lie about what they are. They say help they Juice Plus helps you bridge the gap between what you should eat and what you do eat every day with added nutrition from a wide variety of plant based ingredients. It's that's it's, a really nice sentence. <laughs> it's really simple. I was like, okay, I know exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to give people like s nutrients, you know, pills like supplements. Um, with antioxidants and nutrients if they're not eating of the best diet. So that's what it is. They are not trying to sell you on, like, their, like, revolutionary cancer treatments or what, you know, whatever, like, important weight loss system. And if you look at, again, look at the ingredients. What's in the capsules? They have capsules. They have chews. I used to actually take the chews when I was a triathlete, and I thought they were really good. I mean, it was, like, sugar and stuff. Like, <laughs> it was good. It was, like, a nice little chewy thing. Um... It's not going to hurt you. You know, this is, again, it's not like anything that's bad for you in quotations. It's fruit and vegetable juice powder from apples <laughs> stuff. Uh, cranberry 
orange beetroot, <laughs> pineapple, cherry, mango. Pe- so it's all this these fruit extracts, beta carotene. It's got some folate in it. If you actually look at the nutrition label, it is vitamin A, C, E, and folate. So it's a bunch of extracts and some supplements. Again, not anything I think is revolutionary. Um, you know, there are a lot of whole foods supplements out there. I took them when I was pregnant. Like I took a whole foods based multivitamin, which was a lot of extracts and friend, like, you know, whatever. And so you had to take a lot of them because a lot of it is like ground down, you know, blueberries or whatever. Um, so if you feel like you need a multivitamin and you want to do juice plus, that's fine. They do have shakes and I could not get behind the shakes. It's first two ingredients are soy protein and then, um, cane sugar, cocoa, and then, you know, soy fiber, pea protein, rice protein, sea salt. So uh, maybe not super crappy. It's not going to hurt you. It's just not anything I'd be like, oh, this looks like a great product that I would recommend. And that's just, again, my opinion. But if you're taking these and you love them or you're a distributor and you find that people have really seen positive benefit from taking them, great. But I still always kind of go back to like eat a nutrient-dense whole foods diet so that you don't have to like, it's not the same, you know, you, you're not going to get the same benefit from blueberry extract that you will from blueberries, like eat blueberries. Um, any thoughts on the juice plus other things when you were looking? No, I, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, Yep. Yeah. So it's just basically, you know, looking at what is actually in something and where are those claims coming from and seeing what's on the ingredients label, but also noticing what those other ingredients are that are listed. And is it any different from, you know, supplement? Like in general, I, I think that it's important to supplement with key nutrients that we're likely deficient in, like magnesium. Okay. Mm -hmm. Foundation. Nutrient dense diet. Uh, supplement then with things that we know we need like magnesium and vitamin D, uh, vitamin C and zinc, you know, when we're going through some pandemics or whatever. And, and if you get sick, you know, of course I'm going to bump up my antioxidants. I'm probably going to have, take some glutathione. I'm probably going to take, um, you know, up my vitamin C and take that more regularly. I might take some elderberry syrup, but I'm not going to take that every day. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's tricky because you walk into a vitamin store or a health and wellness store and there's so much. There's right. so many different things you could be supplementing with. There's so many different angles, right? There's the fatty acid angle. There's the amino acid angle. There's the uh, antioxidant angle um, and different kinds of organs and different. Anyway, I think what Noelle is saying is super on point that supplement you know, taking a supplement with stuff in it, you know, say antioxidants or some sort of a bunch of plant extracts. Okay. But we are, we do eat food and we are deficient in some things. And so if you're going to be supplementing with anything, it's, I would really, really want to focus on the things that are missing from my diet, like period. Um, all the, you know, all the antioxidants in the world, like they could help you, but if you're deficient in vitamin D, that's a, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> pay attention, pay attention to that, you know. And so if if we're all looking, if we have limited funds and Plexus is saying, well, you know, you could do this thing and maybe it's really good for you to get on a program and whatever, what have you. OK, um, but pay attention to what's in things and in what's what amounts. Um, 
But if we're thinking about how we're going to allocate our funds, if you need a program, okay. You know, but also if you don't, you know, have unlimited cash, uh, then I, then maybe, maybe it feels good. Maybe it is good for you to eschew any kind of program and do target supplementing for things that you think you might be deficient in, you know, or that might be helpful for specific issues with what you're dealing. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is a long one. That's it from us. We'll be back in two weeks. It's part two of our Mythbusters series. Uh, from more from me, you're going to go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. For more from Stephanie, go to healthstoempower.com. Thanks, guys. We love you. We will talk to you next week. 